Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveal. A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started. back to the Christ and Culture. Welcome back to the adventure. This is Steve. And this is Clint. We're going to go straight into what we've done for media the past week. So Steve, where you been? What have you been watching? What have you been reading? Yeah, so I just started with a group of guys, Gordon, uh, Chris, Donato, my friend Bryce, and then Mm -hmm. uh, Phil Husk. Cool. Um, we've started 33 Days to Merciful Love, uh, just the diver- devotion to divine mercy. So we've we've been starting that, doing the reflections every day. And then uh, we've been using the app Marco Polo, which is a really great app. What is Marco Polo? So it's kind of like Snapchat, but not. Oh, okay. Okay, so, so Marco Polo, the whole, the whole thing with Marco Polo is it's sort of like a video walkie-talkie. So you can record a video and send it to a person or a group, and it doesn't doesn't disappear like snapchat after a certain amount of time mm-hmm. um so you can record these videos and sense so we've been using it to record like our take on the reflection and then we can like, kind of walk and like talk about it amongst the group so we don't have to like try to get together every single day we can just use what marco polo that's pretty cool yeah it's amazing so apparently adore and the pines missionaries have started using it a lot really yeah like the pines missionaries when they were here were telling me about marco polo okay so yeah i was actually just on the phone with uh John Egan, the, the yeah. uh, camp director at the Pines, yesterday, and he was talking to me about some of the new changes they've been making. So that's pretty exciting. Kind of cool stuff I wish we would have had while I was there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't really talked too much to the Pines people. The one I probably keep most in contact with is Joe. Oh, yeah, Joe. Uh, he's great. He was in town, but we just weren't able to get together. Gotcha. He was staying out in, like, Katy and Sugarland. Okay. But I just didn't get to see him. Um, he, like, texted me, like, at... Nine o'clock. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna be downtown. You want to come out?" And I was like, "Uh, I would love to, but can't. It's like, I don't really feel like being out this late." So fair enough. But no, he's he's doing great. Cool. But yeah, so Marco Polo is great. We're doing 33 days. It's been awesome. I haven't read it today yet, but uh, as of the time that we're recording this, but uh, but the first two days were all about um, about trust and, and faith. Mm. So mm-hmm. it's been good, especially considering I'm you know, going to be homeless at the end of the week. Hey. By the time you guys listen to this, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be homeless. <laughs> yeah. So cool. uh, pray for me. Absolutely. So I've actually I've been doing a similar one. So we've been talking about the true devotion to Mary that I've been doing. So St. Louis de Montfort. Yeah. I'm about halfway through my 33 days. And right now we're kind of focusing on specifically getting to know – I guess myself better mm-hmm. and what it is in my life that is keeping me further from Christ. So that's really good. I, I try to do it during Lent and it kind of helps me 
be a little bit more attentive to those things. So that's one thing that I've been taking in is the True Devotion to Mary yeah. by St. Louis de Montfort. I actually finished that book that I had been reading, the Looking for the King. Yeah. So the, How was that? The second one that I got from Chris, that one was really good. I still like the first one better toward the gleam that I talked about like four weeks ago or something like that. Mm. But they were both really good books. Did you um, get them both from Chris? Or? Yeah, so he lent both of them to me. So you guys Perfect. are going to hear us talking a lot about Chris apparently today. Yeah. He's part of both of those there. Yeah, Chris is a great guy. Yeah. So since I finished that book, I actually started reading a different one. I've gotten a chance to do a lot of reading this mm-hmm. week, which has been awesome. Yeah. So I don't. have you seen the TV show Castle? It's I like haven't. A, okay. It, that's with Nathan Fillion, right? Yeah. Who's a great actor. He's amazing. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite TV shows. So he's a writer who helps solve crime, basically. Yeah. And so in the TV show, he writes these books called the Nikki Heat series. But there's a real-life writer who actually writes those books as if he was Nathan Fillion's character, Richard oh. Castle. So I've been reading, uh, I think it's the fourth or or fifth one I'm on now. Uh, I've been reading that, too. It's called Frozen Heat. So that one's pretty good. That's and then cool. the, the last thing that I've kind of taken in as far as media yeah, yeah, yeah. is the movie, which we're going to be talking about today, which is the movie Click. Yes. So over our Valentine's Day episode, we talked about The Vow and how that was one of the movies that makes me cry like every single time, basically. But we're going to talk about another movie that always gets me. I have to, I have to interrupt you just for one minute. Okay. Um, I got a text from um, Kay down in Galveston, one of the, one of the girls mm-hmm. that's part of the group. And her and her roommate, she I guess they were watching The Vow after they're listening to our podcast. Oh, really? So she texted me. She's like, we're watching The Vow. You would be proud. <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, I was like, yes, people who actually listen to our podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was great. Yeah. So this is, like I said, another movie that kind of gets me every time. And yes, it's an Adam Sandler movie, but the ending... Yeah, it's a really Oof. good ending. It's yeah. so good. I have to I have to say that Adam Sandler, well, he does have some really stupid humor. I feel like some of his later films, he's had a lot more of this. I think some of his films have always kind of had it. Well, maybe not all of them, but they've always had like this sort of moral character toward the end, like Click. You have like Fifty First Dates, which was like a pretty good. Yeah, movie. I think a lot of them do. I wouldn't say all of them, but he yeah. Definitely... I'm, well, I'm thinking like his early movies, definitely not. Yeah. But I think that as he's gotten older, he's, you know, he's uh, teaching some lessons. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so, too. But, yeah, so I I was actually watching the movie to prepare for this episode. Yeah. And I got to that ending scene. You know exactly which one I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm I'm aware. And uh, I I started tearing up a little bit. Even knowing that it was coming, even though I've seen it probably five or six times, it still gets me. So if you have seen the movie then you know exactly what we're talking about. And if not, I encourage you to go watch it because it actually has some pretty good stuff in it, I think. But I will warn you, it's an Adam Sandler movie, so probably shouldn't watch it with your kids. Yeah. Just keep that in mind. You've been, you've been warned. So, But for those of you who haven't seen it, we'll give some minor spoiler alerts, but I don't think we're going to give away anything major in this, mo- in this episode. So I mean, unless the final scene or something like yeah. that. Yeah, well, we'll try not to give that away. So, basically, the movie starts out with Adam Sandler's character, whose name is Michael. 
And he's being so busy with trying to get a promotion at work that he begins to completely neglect his family and actually is just seems completely angry all the time, every single day. He tries to justify it by saying that he is doing everything that he does for his family. But in doing so, he is, like I said, he's, he's neglecting that family that he's trying to do so much for. And one night, he gets so fed up that he goes out to buy a universal remote to try and simplify their home life a little bit. And so he goes to Bed Bath & Beyond, and he's walking through, and he finds the Beyond section. <laughs> and he finds a worker there uh, played by Christopher Walken. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it's hilarious. And yeah. And so Christopher Walken's character kind of shows him a one-of-a-kind special universal remote that he quickly learns is literally a remote that controls the universe. So the employee says that the remote over time programs itself to learn what the controller wants it to do yeah, so that so eventually like programming. Yeah. yeah. So it's artificial intelligence. It learns so that it knows how to adapt to serve the owner better. Right. And so he goes home and his wife says to him, after you do all this work and become a big player at your company, do you really think you're going to have more time for us or are things going to just become more out of control? And I honestly believe that this is one of America's biggest flaws and what we struggle with a lot as Americans. We often get so focused on our jobs and work saying, just like Michael, that we are doing it for our families, that we actually end up completely neglecting those people that we say that we love so much. Yeah, I um, I think we've touched on this a couple times in the past. Just a little this bit. This idea that... And I guess I guess I'll I'll say it this way. I had a spiritual director in college, Father Killian, and I was talking to him. I believe it was him, and he kind of brought this idea that, you know, when he was younger, or whoever it was I was talking to, when they were younger and they had their spiritual director, um, mm-hmm. they would always talk about like, you know, don't let your intentional like don't let your unintentional evil outweigh your intentional good, right? That, like sometimes we have good intentions in our mind, but we have to really think through okay, what are the consequences going to be? You know, like, yeah, getting that promotion at your job will certainly help pay for things for your family, and that's a good thing. But if it's at the expense of actually spending time with your family and being there and say you get that promotion and now you're with your family even less than you were before, then, you know, that might not be necessarily a good thing. And and I think, yeah, as, a, as Americans, we certainly struggle. It reminds me sort of the uh, story of Martha and Mary. Yeah which we heard recently in the gospel. Yeah. That, you know, it strikes me as that, you know, we live, and especially sometimes even as Catholics, we live as a lot of Marthas, right? That we are fast-paced, we want to do things, and we get frustrated at people who aren't, you know, pulling their weight, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But we do need the time to take a step back. You know, we need to step back sometimes, play the part of Mary, and, you know, at best, we're doing the works of Martha in the spirit of Mary, Mm-hmm. But like we can't divorce ourselves from Christ. We can't divorce ourselves from the fact that even in service, right, even when we're called to act, which we are very much called to do as Catholics and Christians, right. is to act, that we still need to make sure that like it's about that person. You know, think about Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. You know, she was constantly acting. She was serving the poor every single day of her life. But when people talk to her, 
they were, you know, people would say it was almost like they were the only person in the world. Like she treated every person as though they were Christ. Yeah. Right. And so we need to make sure that at the foundation of our work and our service is this authentic love for the other, right? That they're not just a means to an end, which you kind of get in this movie a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah, I, I definitely see that as well. And I think that a lot of the times, and we're, we're actually guilty of this too, I think. Mm-hmm. On one of our earlier episodes, we talked about how I think men are kind of probably the the ones that struggle with this the most. Mm. Um, a lot of the times we... We as men desire to provide for the people that we love. That's just uh, an innate desire of men. Women obviously have that too, but it's it's something I think that's really specially seen in, in the way that men show love. Yeah, and I think for a lot of times women, it's much more of like a nurturing sense. You know, yeah, and they want to care absolutely. for you in a way that I think sometimes we as men need to learn yeah. how to. You know, like we want right. people to provide the food and everything and the money. But sometimes we have to realize that sometimes what our family needs is, is us. Right. You know? Yeah. But I think that what I've been seeing is that increasingly it's become more of a a, a female and male problem too, where yeah. we see a lot more women who tend to, I don't want to say neglect, but maybe just put their family on hold a little bit. Uh, so you can focus more on the career for a while, you know. Right, which which is yeah. which is not necessarily a bad thing, but that's kind of what we want to bring uh, an attention to today. Mm-hmm. So, and this kind of reminds me of a country song by the band Alabama called "I'm in a Hurry," which is about exactly like this. So, the chorus of the song literally says, "I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun." All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why. And so this is exactly where we find Adam Sandler's character, Michael. We see his life, and it only gets worse as he realizes the potential of the remote, right? So he soon realizes he can go back in time, and he can actually see his life play out before him, commentated by... James Earl Jones. So <laughs> it's kind of like a, a a win-win, you know? Everyone's always wanted their uh, life to be commentated by someone like James Earl Jones or whoever else. But he could also, he could mute everyone around him. So when his wife was angry or the dog was barking, he could just mute it and he didn't have to hear it anymore. He could fast forward through parts of his life to the point that it actually started to control time itself, allowing him to get more done, be more productive, which naturally, since he was trying to be more productive at work, was something that he really fell into, I think. Yeah, he sort of just started skipping through um, the things he doesn't want to have to do. So um, some of them are family obligations or, or these like Danny dinner parties or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it's like through his own work, you know, like, oh, I have this project, I'll just skip through it. In, in his mind, because it, it starts there, yeah. and in his mind, it's a good thing because he's like, I can skip through this work, and then I'll be able to spend time with my family. Yeah. Right? And so he does that, um, but what he fails to realize and what I think is a is something that sort of is pointed is, you know, even in the midst of all that work, like his family's still there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so as he's skipping through the work so he can spend more time with his family, that whole time he's working, he's completely neglecting his family. Um, and the 
remote starts to learn this behavior of if he wants a promotion, we skip through the work until he gets the promotion, which plays a big part in the film where it skips forward like 10 years. He's like, until I'm partner, he's like, I can't wait to be partner. And then like, it just immediately skips him forward. Right. And the whole time, you know, you get a point where he suddenly comes to and realizes where he's at and his whole family's like, man, you've been a robot. For like, like he just is like, one word answer is like just been completely emotionally distant. Yeah. And because, so they call it autopilot. Mm-hmm. So he's on autopilot. And like you said, sometimes it skips years, even even a whole decade mm-hmm. where he's on autopilot only saying one word answers. And so obviously that has a pretty big effect on his life and on his family, you know, and maybe that's kind of an extreme example, but I think in a way we kind of do that a lot, you know, yeah. how often do maybe we see our, our friends or our family and rather than having serious engaging and intimate conversation with them, we just kind of brush it off with as short of answers as possible so we can get back to what we were doing. Right, or something that I, I know that I sometimes uh, struggle with and, and work toward is, you know, sometimes the idea of actually listening, you mm-hmm. know, actually being present to the person there, uh, or just waiting for them to stop talking so you can make your next point. Right. You know, which is something I think we all sort of struggle with a little bit, and we kind of have to move past. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of going off of that as we see him go through this time and he starts to skip and skip and skip soon he's one of the top managers of his company but he has gained hundreds of pounds (laughs) he gets divorced by his wife he misses his entire children's lives as they grow up his his son has a really messed up view because he just wants to impress his father but since he was on autopilot nothing he ever did was good enough right Yeah, yeah exactly and then we see later on the passing of his own father, which he completely just missed because, again, he was on autopilot. Yeah, and so he tries to actually go back and, like, because you can view your past. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to go back to view it. Um, and Christopher Walken's character is like, you can't go there. You weren't there. Like, he, yeah. he completely, in autopilot, because his work was more important, completely skipped his father's funeral. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm not going to ruin the ending because... Even though it is a cheesy Adam Sandler movie, I think it was a great ending that I think we all kind of need a reminder of. Mm -hmm. And so I want to encourage you guys to go watch that and check that out for yourself. But this kind of just gives us an idea of our topic for the day and and, uh, gives us a place to kind of start. Right. And so the reason I want to talk about this movie and kind of about that song that we mentioned too is that we all tend to cruise through life. And in doing so, I think we overlook life itself right ever since i was really little i know my mom listens to this so she can probably attest to this i have always wanted to go fast we got dirt bikes when (laughs) uh, i was pretty little and it was all about going as fast as i can i loved the wind in my hair i loved going on the fastest boats possible we'd go for pontoon rides which i don't know if you've ever rode a pontoon but they're not exactly very fast and i was miserable but I also get motion sickness, so yeah. it's, it's kind of a really weird right. balance there. Yeah, the only the only thing that a pontoon boat is good for in terms of fast is if you strap like a tube to the back. Oh yeah, that's always oh, fun yeah. going but, tubing. But it has to be fast enough to be able to pull it. You know, that's true. So, but one thing that really triggers my motion sickness is when I go fast, but everything I see starts to blur. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you look out the window of a car. So, we we all kind of know what that looks like. 
you, you look outside your car window and you try to look at something, but it passes by so quick that you can't actually see it. You know, you, you kind of see what you think it is and you're smart enough to realize, Oh, that's a sign or that's a building, but you can't really see it. And that's how we try to live our lives. A lot of the time, I think we're trying to go so quickly to the next thing that we barely actually see what is before us before we move on to what is ahead. Mm-hmm. We kind of just overlook these things. And I want to actually steal something from Father Mike Schmitz. So if you're familiar with his podcast, you might have heard this before. But he has a saying in one of his episodes where he says, Reverence is recognizing the value of the moment that one is in. I think that's a beautiful phrase, a beautiful sentence. Reverence is recognizing the value of the moment that one is in. So rather than looking forward and saying, okay, I can't wait for this, or I need this to happen, realize that the moment that you are in is a gift. It's a treasure. And there's so much beauty and truth and love that can be discovered in that moment that you don't need to worry about what's coming next if you truly invest yourself in the moment that you're in. This is a a lesson that I learned back in 2012. So I was going to Kolkata, India to work with the Missionaries of Charity. Mm -hmm. And before we went, you know, we kind of had like a very brief crash course in Indian culture. Right. And there was a counselor who came with us, our school counselor, who um, was this amazing woman. Um, And she was mentioning that one of the things she loved about the culture, and one of the things that was very consistent with the Catholic teaching, was this idea of, um, mindfulness and just being present in the moment, mm-hmm. you know, and there's this idea there <laughs> that, you know, you just be present in the moment and that it makes you just like in each moment, like being present in each moment. And it, it allows you to view things with more clarity to make better choices, right? You're not just brushing by, but mm-hmm. also it allows you to cherish life more, right? Life seems to, to almost ex- extend the day a little bit. Right, because yeah. you're 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 focusing on each of your tasks individually and really being present to them instead of just blanking out and ignoring it. But it's this idea that you know Christ talks all the time about not having anxiety, not worrying. Sure, right? He says even the birds have food. You know, like why are you so worried about what you're going to wear or eat the next day? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but also the past is like yes, we can learn from our past, right? Like it's important to look back and 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 to remember and to learn from it. But we can't dwell there, right? To a certain extent, the past is dead, right? It's moved past. There's there's nothing you can do to change the past. So if you're dwelling and you're staying there, you're really crippling yourself. So really the only place that you can sort of live is the right here and right now. Right. Right. And so we need to, to be present in the moment. And it's a really, really just awesome lesson that I learned. I think Thomas Merton talks about it a little yeah, bit too. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And that's actually something I think a lot of other countries are better at. We have the New York Minute. It's yeah. the only moment we have. Well, being in Spanish culture, I mean, you have like the mm-hmm. siestas in Italy. If someone in Italy feels like their day is going too fast, they might shut down their whole business. If they have like a, a small business, they'll just shut it down because yeah. they want to take that time to enjoy the day. Yeah, when, I was, in, when I was in Brazil, um, they had their siesta time. Yeah. Right? And this, Three o'clock, and same thing in India. It's like three o'clock, everything was shut down. You'd walk past shops. I remember you'd walk past shops in India, and people would just be like, they'd like throw, like they'd like shut down, and they would just be like taking a nap in the store. Yeah, 
Well, so similar in Italy, we would show up. We would sometimes have tours scheduled at certain places. Mm -hmm. We'd show up, and the whole place would be closed down just because it was a nice day, and the people who were working wanted to go enjoy the day, the gift that God had given them that day, which is a beautiful thing. It's really frustrating for tourists, but it's a beautiful thing to be able to take that and and, uh, be in that moment. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I always thought that was interesting. Um, and just the amount of like vacation time that they have, that there's really this emphasis that work does not define you and like, mm-hmm. work's not everything, right? right. That, that work can be done. And in, on, in all honesty, yeah, okay, that maybe they don't, they don't have the GDP of America, but they also don't have the resources. But, you know, there's this idea that things still get done. And honestly, and something that even here in America we're starting to learn is, you know, with this emphasis on mental health and people, like, asking for mental health days and that becoming more of on the forefront of American business is when you allow people to take that leisure, they're actually more productive than if you just work them every single day to the bone. Yeah, and I think it, it also allows us to spend more time focused, focused on our family, mm-hmm. which, I mean, two of the things that also America struggles with, we're talking about uh, depression and suicide and yeah. divorce, you know? Yeah. And so having that time where we can actually live in the moment and cherish the people and the things that we have in that moment, we're able to treasure them and, and actually, I think might actually help with some of those problems. Well, too. And I think that, you know, when you're spending so much time with your family and you're spending the time to build love and to really nurture that love, instead of just, I must provide for my family, but I never see them. You remember why you're working in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. You have more sense of purpose at your job. You, you know, love your family, right? You're not just working to, to work, um, right. but, but it gives you that sense of purpose. It gives you that uh, it, reminder of why you're there in the first place. Yeah. Um, cause you know, the, the, the alternative or the, the extreme would almost be, you know, sometimes what, what you see with like Japan, you know, where they have really, you know, it's a lot of, um, work, you know, and after work you go out with your work friends and there's like a very low marriage rate there cause people just aren't being able to meet people. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying anything. It's just, you know, like there needs to be this move toward toward love. In yeah. Other ways. So to our international listeners, because I think we have listeners in almost 20 countries now or something like that. If y'all could send us some feedback on that, I would love to hear your thoughts on, oh, on yeah. this. Again, our email is always at the bottom of this. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook and all that too. But So I think this is actually something that I personally struggle a lot with. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm kind of a strategic-minded person. And so if you're very strategic-minded, that means you're always looking towards the future and how can I manipulate the now to be able to get the the most success in the future. And so that's kind of something that I struggle with a lot. And I can remember being in college and walking between classes or to a meeting or maybe even just seeing a friend or something. And I think if I put my headphones in and keep walking then no one will stop me and I won't be late for where I'm going. If I, But if I had recognized the value of that moment that I could have shared with maybe some other friends on the way or maybe even met a new person that could still be a friend today, maybe those relationships could be better and I would have more truly been more joyful in that moment because of it. Yeah, I mean, I used to know people who would put their headphones in and not even plug it into anything. They weren't listening to music. They just didn't want to be bothered. It was just like a... Ooh. Yeah. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, they would just put it in just so they could pretend that they were listening to something to ignore people. Dang. Yeah. 
So the point is we need to be present in the moment. Meditation and prayer both require us to slow down. So a few months ago, we had an episode called Hashtag Blessed, where our guest Brittany and I talked about looking into the dark times of our lives and finding the blessings in those times. So today we're really kind of focused on living in the moment and cherishing life itself in that moment. So rather than looking backwards, we're looking at the now. And a part of that, one of the things that when we were talking earlier that, that struck me, you know, just talking about this whole theme, is, you know, in the movie, Adam Sandler's character, you know, skips through the things that he thinks sucks, right? Work, uh, he gets a cold, he's like, I'm just going to skip through the sickness, yeah, right? So I don't have to deal with the sickness. I, I want to skip through all these things that are annoying. And it leads him to skipping major events in his life. Because there's still love and joy even in those those crappy moments, right? In sickness, your family's there trying to nurture you, and there's love that can be had there. Mm-hmm. There's relationships that can be had there. And whenever you just have this mindset, almost like this hedonistic mindset of avoiding pain and, and seeking pleasure, then you, you sometimes miss out on those aspects, right? Like, yeah. Because there's, there's even joy and there's, there's blessings even amidst that suffering, right? Like you're not alone in that. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah. So I think you're definitely going right where I was trying to go there. So oh, I'm sorry. To... No, no, that's exactly it. So yeah. it's it's recognizing rather than looking back to find the blessings, finding those blessings right where we are, which is exactly what yeah. you're talking about. So that's exactly it. And if any of you have seen the show The Office, which I've talked about a few times on air before, the character Andy Bernard has a quote that's actually pretty popular. I think. He says, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. And there is a way to do that. That's what we're talking about here. Yeah. And so my friend Kenzie, who uh, recommended this topic, has been reading the book Happiness in This Life, which is essentially a, a compilation of excerpts from Pope Francis' homilies. So first of all, I want to give Kenzie a shout out. Not only is he one of our top listeners, he gave us this topic. So awesome. Thanks, thank you, Kenzie. Kenzie. So in the book, Pope Francis says this, Our future with Jesus starts today in the small acts of accepting his grace. And so kind of following from that, I actually want to mention an awesome saint, St. Therese of Lisieux. She was a French Carmelite nun who has been nicknamed the Little Flower or the Little Flower of Jesus, both of those. Yeah, yeah, honestly, um, St. Therese of Lisieux has been coming up a lot in my life recently. She's all over. Um, I, I mean, I love St. Therese of Lisieux. I've always loved her since learning about her in college in her little way and just how she's a doctor of the church, but she was just so simple. You know, mm-hmm. you have these, these great stories, you know, like her sisters were fighting on how could the true presence of the Eucharist be what it was. You know, like how could Jesus be a piece of bread? She was so simple. She was young. She was so simple. She'd be like, he's God. He can be whatever he wants. Right, which yeah. is so simple but very profound. You yeah, know? and she's just this this great, great saint. It's funny. So I'm starting 33 Days to Merciful Love, mm-hmm. which is in the which is a lot of uh, Saint Therese of Lisieux. Mm-hmm. So it's Divine Mercy. So there's some Saint Faustina in there, but it's mostly focused on Saint Therese of Lisieux. And about a week or so prior, maybe half only, like maybe only like a few days prior, my mother calls me. She's like, Stephen, do you know anything about this Saint Therese? St. Therese of the Child Jesus. And I was like, St. Therese? And she's like, yeah. I was like, does it have a little apostrophe? She's like, yeah. She's like, I got this prayer card, and I've been praying for her, and she's really been working in my life. 
I'm like, yeah, St. Therese of Lisieux is one of my favorite saints. So I started talking to her about that. And then I didn't know, and I picked up 33 Days to Merciful Love, opened it up, and it's all about St. Therese of Lisieux. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to have a larger devotion to this Dang, young lady. That's awesome. Yeah, she's great. She actually, she died at, what, 24? So she was actually about very young. About my age when she passed. Yeah, so. her body's still incorrupted, Yeah, which is amazing because she died in the early 1800s. Mm-hmm. So she she came from a very holy family originally, but she lost her mother at a very young young age, and then her older sister became basically like a second mother to her until that sister went and joined the Carmelite order. And then Therese soon became sick and was miraculously healed after seeing a statue of Mary, which appeared to turn and face her, and then afterwards Therese was healed. And so this kind of brought her into a deeper relationship with God herself, and so her other older sisters went off and became nuns as well. And Therese became very emotional and spoiled and just cried all the time when she didn't get what she wanted. And so she wanted to become a nun to join her sisters, but she was de- denied by the superior because she was so young at the time. So she went to the bishop. She was only, what, like 14 or something? Yeah, she was a very young teenager like at the time. 14, I think, something like that. I think it was 14. So yeah. she was denied by the superior because she was too young. She went to the bishop to kind of overrule the superior, and the bishop said, no, you're too young. So she went all the way to the Vatican to see the Pope. Yeah. And so eventually she she ended up, like, breaking some rules and, like, doing some stuff. And she, I think she was, like, dragged out of the Vatican by some of the guards or something. Mm-hmm. But eventually she was given permission. Yeah, to, the Pope eventually just was like, yeah, I mean, if like, this is what you want. If you're this dedicated, then go for it, basically. Yeah. But that actually led to a lot of resentment. Right, within Within the, uh, the convent, which is sad, but she wasn't necessarily well-liked by some of the other sisters. Yeah. Um, but she was always so holy and so present to, to the moment. There was like a story of hers where I'm, I'm heavily paraphrasing and probably butchering, but in the story, she is like washing clothes with one of the other sisters and they have their washboard mm-hmm. and the other sister's like, you know, furiously washing the clothes to try to get stains out and some of the water splashing in St. Therese's face. She writes something along the lines of that. She, you know, was tempted to ask the sister to stop, you know, or like to shift so she wasn't splashing her. But she's like, but instead, like, realize I could take this opportunity to unite myself to Christ on the cross mm-hmm. um, and just accept this little suffering in this moment. Yeah, and that that definitely happened a little later on in her time mm-hmm. as a nun because she soon, after arriving there, she soon became frustrated because she realized that as a cloistered nun, she was never going to be able to do great things. Yeah, You know, she was never going to be this person of great renown that was going to do amazing things and be this i don't know i guess great saint well yeah you like a like a saint francis of assisi you know this traveling friar right yeah so she was never going to be able to do that because she was cloistered and so eventually she came to realize and this is her writing here i'll kind of quote it for you she says love proves itself by deeds so how am i to show my love great deeds are forbidden of me The only way I can prove my love is by scattering flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least actions for love. 
And so I think that's exactly fits in with the story that you're talking about, Steve, because mm-hmm. this is kind of her point of realizing that she can't do great things. But if she does everything that she does, every small thing that she does, she says even her glance, just looking at someone, if she does everything with love, then that in itself becomes a great thing. And so this is where she kind of gets her nickname, the little flower, because she calls these acts of love flowers. That also sort of, you know, even heavily influenced uh, Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do small things with great love, mm-hmm. right? I'm pretty sure St. Therese of Lisieux and probably St. Teresa of Avila were part of the main reasons that, you know, St. Teresa picked her name. In mm-hmm. the other, one of the other things that I loved, um, this is going off a little bit off topic, but just because of St. Therese of Lisieux being so great, is another reason she was called a little flower is all of those things. But also when uh, she like was asking, like, God, do you want me to be a nun or like be married? If you want me to be married... Give me like a white rose, and if you want me to, you know, be a nun, basically give me a red rose. And she like woke up, and there's just a bunch of red roses everywhere. Uh, they just like materialized. <laughs> they're petals, so, right? They were red petals. Yeah. So yeah. No joke. That story is actually kind of how two of my best friends ended up getting married. So really? I'll tell you about that sometime when we're not on air. So oh, okay. Yeah. It's a, it's a very that. very interesting story. Oh, I um, used to I used to have friends in college that. That did the same thing. Like they were praying. They're like, God, like give me a white rose or a red rose. And they weren't getting any roses. And they were just like, I just wish you'd give me a rose. <laughs> like, just let me know. Yeah. So it doesn't always work quite yeah. that easy, but it's pretty amazing. Yeah. But, but I think going back to our topic, I think this is a great lesson for all of us that we learn from St. Therese. We don't need to do big things. I think what is more important is that the things that we do are done out of love. Mm-hmm. Right, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, it says, If I give all, all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I think we need to start simply by not overthinking love. Love doesn't demand great things of us, honestly. It demands humility, honesty, selflessness, mm-hmm. and perseverance, all of which... I don't think can truly be recognized or realized unless we slow down and smell the flowers. Get smell it? the roses. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> and in those moments, we do exactly as Pope Francis tells us to accept God's grace in the small acts of each day. You know, so as we begin to recognize and accept God's grace in our life, these small acts of love become easier and easier to recognize and easier and easier to make happen, you know, come to fruition. Yeah. It reminds me, so as you were talking about that, For King and Country is a Christian band. Yeah. And they have a song, The Proof of Your Love, which yes. I love that song. It's a good song. And in that, there's there's a verse, if I give to, the, I give to a needy soul but don't have love, then who is poor? It seems all the poverty is found in me. Yeah. Right? And he's talking about how he wants his life to be the proof of God's love, right? That his life says, let my love look like you and what you're made of, Mm -hmm. right? And be the proof of your love. So at a certain point where, again, going back to St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, where she was like, be a missionary of charity to your family, right? That we don't have to do great deeds to show great love. 
that we can do great love in these small ways to the closest people to us. Exactly. So, and that requires us to be mindful to bring it full circle, right? To be mindful and and present in the moments. Exactly. And so, kind of going off that, my challenge for you is to take time each day this week to slow down and then focus on these questions. So number one, how am I accepting God's grace today? And number two, what are some ways that I can truly love through my small acts or through those little flowers? So the first one, how am I accepting God's grace today? Second one, what are some ways that I can truly love through my small acts? And I think as we keep these questions in our minds and in our hearts, hopefully it can help us to remember, as the movie says, family comes first. Yeah, from there, speaking of uh, being present to relationships, we want to give a couple shout-outs. We've already uh, given a shout-out to Kenzie for the topic recommendation. Yeah. We want to give a shout-out. So uh, we, in our Black Panther episode Mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, had a post-credit scene because it's Marvel. And if you haven't figured out by now, all of our Marvel movies, I think... Except for Thor. I think we forgot to do uh, Thor. We, we missed one on Thor. So we yeah. always have a, a post credit scene. Guys, it's Marvel. Yeah, yeah you guys are kind of like um, the people who go see a Marvel movie and then walk out before the credits. Like, I yeah. just don't understand that. I'm like, you guys know. <laughs> you should know by this point. Like, Marvel, like the Marvel movies and post credit scenes have been here for 10 years. Yeah. I mean, those movies, some, like Iron Man, it's the original, thing. was 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, those post-credit scenes have been around for a while. Um, so we've been trying to do that for you guys. Uh, we had we had a challenge, and so we have to give a shout-out to Gordon. Gordon Moore and uh, Danny Sackford both yeah. are the winners of that episode. Yeah, we had a little Easter egg that you had to say something to us, and we won't, we won't give it away. So but. if you didn't find it, go, go ahead and go back and uh, check it out if you want. Yeah, the first one's the best. Clint makes uh, animal noises. Did I? I think so. I don't know. I think know. we made you do animal noises. I thought I... Maybe not. Maybe. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Go check that one out, too. Let, let us know. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I made him do that. With that, we want to thank you guys all for joining us this week on the adventure. And we hope to see you again soon. <laughs>